opinionated analysis of every KISS release. I am your host, Ryo B, and I thank you for taking the time to join me today for episode 12, Ace Freely. Before we get into the album analysis, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review on iTunes. Positive reviews and subscriptions help other KISS fans to find this podcast. If you have comments, you want to provide any feedback, you can reach me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. That's psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at RyoV. That's at R-Y-O-V-I-E on Twitter. And so today's album is Ace Freely. This episode is going to cover the solo album that was released by Ace Freely. So let's dive into the album analysis. This album was released on September 18, 1978 on Casablanca Records, as all the solo records were released on the same day. Um, band members for this album include Ace Freely on lead vocals, lead, rhythm, acoustic, and bass guitars, Anton Figg on drums and percussion, Will Lee, who played bass guitar on Ozone, I'm in Need of Love, and Wiped Out, Carl Tallarico, who played drums on Fractured Mirror, David Lasley did backing vocals, Susan Collins did backing vocals, and Larry Kelly did backing vocals on Rip It Out, and Bill Bear Scheinman was the bell on Fractured Mirror. This album was produced by Eddie Kramer and Ace Freely. The track listing for this album is as follows. Rip It Out starts the album off, followed by Speeding Back to My Baby, Snowblind, Ozone, What's on Your Mind, New York Groove, I'm in Need of Love, Wiped Out, and the album wraps up with Fractured Mirror. The album cover to Ace Freely's solo album, um, as stated on the previous episodes of Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, all of the album covers for the solo albums are, are just amazing. They're just freaking cool. There's no debate. It's a huge, beautiful artist rendition of the individual band member in their makeup. What's not to love? The artwork was done by Araldo Carugati, whom not much is known about, and since we've covered that aspect in detail already on the previous episodes, um, most specifically the Gene Simmons episode, I'm going to go ahead and move on. Ace's portrait is highlighted in blue around his hair, and then his signature Spaceman silver paint over the eyes and black lipstick. The rest of his face is painted stark white, and like all the other covers, it it just looks amazing. Uh, Caragotti is he's just one talented artist, and he did a magnificent job on all four of these portraits. There really isn't much more that can be said praising how fantastic these paintings really are. Um, once again, the Kiss logo is in the upper left in big bold block letters with the lightning bolt S's, and the name Ace Freely is to the right of the album cover. 
cover. Now, this same layout appears on all four solo records, with uh, obviously the name of the artist being the only thing that changes. So for Ace's album, it was Ace, really. I just truly love these solo album covers, and I just think they're the most one of the most iconic paintings in uh, all of history um you know up there with the destroyer and love gun covers i love love these solo album covers so getting into the album itself honestly there's no better kiss solo album than ace freely's solo album and that includes all of the solo albums that were recorded um in 1978 and since 1978 as well. So that includes the other solo albums that Ace Frehley did, um, includes Peter's solo records, includes Paul Stanley's uh, Live to Win and Gene Simmons' Asshole. None of them come close to touching Ace Frehley's first solo album. It's the best of the best. The album Ace Frehley is up there with Destroyer and a few other a few other albums for top five Kiss albums of all time. And yes, I know that technically this is not a Kiss record, but the solo albums get lumped in there all the time with the regular Kiss records. So if we were to do it that way, then it's clear as day. Ace Freely is a top five record. Now, it may not take the top of the charts. Again, many episodes down the line, I will do my top ten Kiss albums. Um, I don't think Ace Freely will come out at number one, but it's definitely it's definitely a top five. Um, rankings aside, Ace Freely is a magnificent album. You find me one Kiss fan who says one of the other three solo albums is better than Ace's, and I'll be shocked. Um, totally, totally surprised if that were the case. And the reason for that is not because Ace's album is better than the other three. It's because Ace's album is so much better than the other three. I'm talking light years ahead of the other records. Um, when we did the episodes on Gene and Paul's records, they were good, but I pointed out some flaws on each one and areas where they could be improved. With Ace Freely, there's nothing to improve. There are no flaws. There's nothing that could be done to make this a better record. It is flawless. And yes, this is one of those rare perfect albums. Now, for those of you who remember, I rate a perfect album as such when I want to listen to the next song on the record as badly as I want to listen to the current song that is playing, and I never grow tired of any of the songs. That's a perfect album. In other words, there's no skip songs. That's what makes a perfect album perfect. And Ace Freely is just that. It's an album with no skip songs. And at the time this record was released, it may have been hard to believe that Ace was going to have the best album. He hadn't contributed a ton of material to the six Kiss releases. He'd only done lead vocals for one song on one album. So to have an entire album's worth of Ace Freely material, it could have been considered a risk. I've been fortunate enough to always know how great this album is, because when I got it in high school, it was already legendary. But in 1978, when all four four albums were being released, no one knew what to expect from this record. Ace's album probably wasn't predicted to do as well as Gene or Paul's albums. Um, Maybe not even better than Peter's. But he surprised everyone, including himself, and he came away with the best solo album of the group, by leaps and bounds. And as I said, it's not even close. Ace's, Ace, Ace Freely's solo album, Ace Freely, is a true 
masterpiece. And I defy you to find anyone who would challenge that statement. I, I'd almost love to have him on the podcast. <laughs> so let's get into the song Breakdown. So Rip It Out is the opening track, and this was written by Ace Freely, Larry Kelly, and Sue Kelly, and it was sung by Ace Freely. Now this is a great opener, um, and a great song in general by Ace, and while the lyrics are short and they fall into that 70s kiss trap of verse, chorus, verse until the end, they're still decent enough lyrics. And the majestic music allows us to forgive the shortcoming of the lyrics. Between the drum solo and the guitar solo in the middle of the song, it doesn't really matter what the lyrics are. The song is it's just a jolt of energy that's best listened to at maximum volume. Rip It Out, it's, it's a great breakup, heartbreak song. Lyrically, it's, it's a simple song about a broken heart due to a cheating, lying partner. And that heartbreak is felt and told in the song. I, I particularly like the spoken line, I hope you suffer. I mean, to me, that's deliciously evil. And I'm sure that I've played this song at full volume after a breakup or two in my day. Uh, it's just a terrific ode to a broken heart. The song still holds up in 2018, and Ace has been using it as his opening number on recent solo tours, which is just incredible. Uh, It sounds incredible live, even after all of these years. Rip It Out is one of those timeless songs that I imagine will be popular for as long as rock and roll music is popular. Even kids who discover this song today, they can get behind it. They can shout it out at the top of their lungs after suffering a broken heart and feeling that pain. Rip It Out has longevity due to the creative genius of the song. And, of course, Aza's fantastic guitar work helps a lot there, too. And that guitar work is just highlighted throughout this entire album. And and as we go through each song, you're going to hear me praise the guitar a lot because it's the best guitar work Ace had done up until this point. Probably the best guitar work Ace has done in his entire career. So, um, you know, he may have peaked in 78, but when you're Ace Freely, even below peak is still magnificent work. But... Truly, his guitar playing on this is, is the best of the best. Speeding Back to My Baby is next, and this was written by Ace Freely and Jeanette Freely, and it was sung by Ace Freely. Um, interesting note, Jeanette Freely was Ace's wife back in 1978, and she helped him write this song and even got a songwriting credit. Speeding Back to My Baby opens with a terrific guitar solo introduction that just blows this song wide open and really sets the expectation of greatness that's about to follow. And while the lyrics are again once a, a little weak for this song, they they don't take away from the overall fun factor of the song. And yes, most fans know all of the lyrics to this song and really all the lyrics to any song on this record. They know them by heart. But knowing all of the lyrics doesn't mean that they're award-winning, because they're not. The music is so incredible that it doesn't really matter. Technically, this is another breakup song, but this is one where the couple is going to get back together in the end, or or so it seems. Ace is driving away at fast speeds, 95 miles per hour, as he says, (laughs) with the radio blasting because he's mad at his girl. He saw her there with another man, and he wouldn't care, but his pride is hurting. His pride's on the line. So then he thinks maybe he should turn around and head back. And by the end of the song, he's doing just that. He's speeding back to his baby. 
this is another track with spectacular guitar solo that just makes you wonder how some guys can have so much talent. Freely's guitar work is second to none, and it's hard to compete with, especially when it comes to solos like the one he does here on Speeding Back to My Baby. It just truly showcases how brilliant an artist this man really, really is. Snowblind is next, and this was written by Ace Freely, and this was also sung by Ace Freely. And so here we go. We've reached the point in this episode where the heated debate can really begin. And I will preface this by stating that Snowblind is a magnificent song. I don't doubt that for one second. Snowblind is terrific. That having been said, it's also the worst song on this record. Now, I've stated in the past, and I'm sure I will state it again in the future, even on an album filled with exceptional songs, even on a perfect album, one song has to be the worst song. And that honor goes to Snowblind. And it's not that I have anything negative to say about this song, because I don't. I think it's creative. I think the lyrics are pretty solid. I think the music is great. But Snowblind doesn't live up to the other songs on this record. If you put this song on a different record, it might be one of the best tracks there. If you put this on Love Gun, it probably is the best track there. But on Ace Freely, it's the weakest song. And when Snowblind's the weakest song on the album, you know you know you've recorded a masterpiece. Now, I believe that Snowblind is an ode to Ace recognizing that he has a drug problem and wanting to overcome it, but knowing that he he may not be able to, at least not at that time. Now, you can make the argument that this song is about being on the road and not being able to see your girl because of the constant touring, and there's plenty of lyrics within this song that could support that statement, but I don't think the term Snowblind would have been used then. Look, we all we all know what snowblind means. We all know that snowblind is a euphemism for cocaine use. Uh, and the last verse helps to solidify the drug use theory because the lyrics state, moving around I get in trouble when I'm feeling low and out of my mind. Out of his mind because he's high as kite. This is another song that has phenomenal guitar work, exceptional solos, and really hits on all the sweet spots musically. Like all the other songs on this record, Snowblind is a thing of beauty. It just happens to be the weakest beauty on the record. It's like choosing the ugliest supermodel. It's very hard to do, but one of the supermodels has to be the least attractive. Next up is Ozone, and Ozone was written by Ace Freely and sung by Ace Freely. And this is another gem on a record full of gems. I love the slow, melodic guitar intro to this song, and I love the way it weaves right into the vocals. Clearly, this is an ode to getting high, which Freely was pretty damn good at back then. Ozone could be a euphemism for any type of drug, but most likely cocaine, although Ace dabbled in a lot of different stuff, so perhaps it's acid, or or maybe it's something else. Not being a drug user myself, not 100% sure, uh, so, you know, I just have to go with the speculations here. The guitar work on this song, it's pure genius, once again. 
the solo is so mind-blowing. It's it's really, truly hard to put into words how amazing it is and how amazing it makes me feel when I hear it. Ozone is a true lost gem that needs to be resurrected at some point. And it would it would be really awesome to see Ace pull this one out for his current tour or perhaps when he's on this year's Kiss Cruise. It would just be a, a fan's dream come true. I've always pondered the particulars behind the last set of lyrics to Ozone. If you think it's a crime and you don't want to try something that will make you high, then I think I'll say goodbye. Basically, Ace is saying, get high with me or, or I'm moving on. Uh, let's look at those lyrics again. If you think it's a crime and you don't want to try something that will make you high, then I think I'll say goodbye. Uh, look, I don't know if that was a shout-out to anyone in particular, but he clearly was stating his case. And his case was, I like to get high. You better like it. You better deal with it. Or I'm going to move on. Now, that could have been specifically to his other band members who probably were on top of him at this point for the drinking and the drugs and the the issues that the band was having behind the scenes. Um, Maybe that could have been directed at his wife, could have been directed at friends, could have been directed at anyone. We don't know. We don't know for sure. And and to the best of my recollection, he doesn't talk about it in his biography, and I haven't seen it captured anywhere else to truly, if that statement was made to anyone, or just, you know, great lyrics in general. So I don't know for sure, but that's the beauty of this podcast. We can speculate on things like this without knowing, you know, get the conversation going, start the debates. And so my thought is that he's saying this to multiple people. I think he's saying it to the band. He's saying it to Gene and Paul, like, screw you. I like my drugs. Deal with it. And he's probably saying it to his wife. Screw you, I like my drugs, deal with it. And there's probably a couple friends in there, too. I can imagine there was like a whole intervention going on before he wrote this song, and this kind of was his response to the intervention. You know, we'll, we'll never know for sure, but those are my thoughts. You got different thoughts, you got different opinions, you got different analysis on, on what you think those lyrics mean, by all means. Drop me a, drop me an email, psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, shoot me a tweet at Ryo V. Um, you know, I definitely, I like to hear other thoughts and opinions on what this could mean other than, you know, just my own. That's, that's part of the fun of this. So please feel free to reach out and tell me what you're thinking and, and what you think the lyrics mean. Next up is What's On Your Mind? And this was written by Ace Freely and sung by Ace Freely. And this is Ace's version of a romance song. And like most of his other tunes, it's a rockin' hit. Now, this is one of the more basic tracks on the album, but it's still incredible. Just like every other song on this record is incredible. I like the way he pleads to give it one more try. Baby, please let me know when. Lyrically, this one is pretty deep as well, which is nice to see. I still think Ace and Paul wrote the best lyrics of 70s era Kiss, and I think the solo albums showcase that very well for both of them. I believe I mentioned this on uh, the previous episode, too, for Paul Stanley's solo album, that Paul and Ace were clearly the best lyric writers of the original four Kiss members. Um, And, of course, for what's on your mind, there's another amazing guitar solo that's included, and the fast-paced beat 
makes it another rocker that's easy to sing along to and enjoy. You know, Ace had a way of crafting every song for this record so that they were nothing but pure enjoyment. And What's On Your Mind is another firm piece of evidence to that. And it's another song that may have gotten forgotten over the years. You know, if you haven't listened to this song in a while, put it back on your radar. Heck, put this whole album back on your radar. It's it's worth every moment that you spend listening to it. And, you know, as I go through all these albums and re-listen to them um, for the podcast, and, and before I do an episode, I'll, I'll re-listen to an album, you know, multiple times. This was probably the most enjoyable re-listen I've had so far, which is good because the next one's the worst re-listen I've had, but we'll get to that when we get to that episode. Um, so, you know, do yourself a favor. Treat yourself. Pull out your copy of Ace Freely and just, just give it a whirl. You know, if you have the opportunity, sit down, put the headphones on, get to a quiet space, maybe even dim the lights, and just lean back and really listen and really enjoy. I mean, you're going to be mesmerized and amazed all over again by how great this this entire album is. It's just it's mind-boggling how brilliant the work is. Next up is New York Groove, and this song was written by Russ Ballard, and it's sung by Ace Freely. Now, it may be a cover song, but it's still an exceptional song, and it's still one of the best songs on the record. And much like Ace would do for 2000 Man on Dynasty, he took this forgotten song, this forgotten New York Groove, and he made it his own. The original version was recorded in 1975 by the British glam rock band Hello. Hello was the name of the band. And Ace took this soft song, which is what it was, and made it a hard-rocking anthem that became somewhat of his signature song. Not somewhat. I mean, it became his signature song. became his signature anthem. If you haven't heard the original version, it's worth a listen or two. It's cool to see how Ace took something that was decent and then shaped it and molded it into his own image. Now, admittedly, I'm biased as I've known the Ace version for so long, and rarely did I give the Hello version a spin, Um, But to me, Ace's version is so much more rocking. If that Hello version were all that I knew, and and that's doubtful because I don't really know the band Hello, and I don't listen to them, and I don't see why I would know them if not for the fact that Ace had covered them, and I was curious to see what the original song sounded like. But if the Hello version were all that I had known, I would have said, ah, you know, this is a cool song, and I would have called it a day. That, That would have been it. And I really never would have given it another thought. But Ace took New York Groove. He massaged it. He gave it a power. He gave it an urgency. And he made it a hard rock classic. New York Groove would be the one and only single from from his solo album. And as I mentioned on previous episodes, each band member had one single released from their solo album. Not 100% sure why, but that's how it worked out. So everybody got one song released. And New York Groove was the single from Ace's solo album. And it would make it to number 13 on the Billboard charts. The B-side to this was Snowblind. And this song would be played live during the tours in 79 and 80. And then would become a staple of Ace's solos tours, still played to this day. 
Um, the song was revived again for the reunion tours that Ace did with Kiss, and that's when Ace would use his signature light-up guitar during the performance. You know, he would go into the New York groove riff, and this guitar would start flashing and lighting up, and of course, the fans would just would just go nuts because it's it's totally cool. It's it's an incredible moment to witness live. Um, you know, and unfortunately, if you didn't get to see Kiss back in the day and you didn't get to see them on the reunion tour, you're most likely not going to be able to see them again with Ace doing the light-up guitar. And, and I have seen Ace solo semi-recently, like within the last three years. And I don't remember if he pulls out the light-up guitar for New York Groove or not. I'm trying to remember, and I, I really can't do it. Now, I'll be seeing him again at this year's M3 Festival, so maybe I'll come back with an update. So I'll pay attention to see what he does for New York Groove, but I don't I don't remember if he pulled out the light-up guitar or not. But um, in any event, New York Groove, is just it's an amazing song, um, terrific cover, and again, a song that Ace just made his own, took it and ran with it, and, and I'll talk about this more um, when we get to the Dynasty episode and we cover 2000 Man, but there's some songs that bands cover, and then it just it becomes their song. The, the original is just long forgotten, and has it has no association with the original band that did that song. New York Groove's one of those songs. Like nobody would know or remember that Hello did this song. They just you say New York Groove, and they immediately associate it with Ace Freely. That's that's how terrific a cover it was, and it's really it's Ace's song now. It's his signature song. I know he didn't write it, but he made it what it is. Next up is I'm in Need of Love, and this was written by Ace Freely, and it was sung by Ace Freely. And I've always felt that I'm in Need of Love was acid rock at its finest. Not that I listen to a lot of acid rock, so I'm certainly not the authority on that genre of music, but this is up there with anything that Jefferson Airplane or Iron Butterfly put together. The guitar rings out in that same tone and style, and it it paints the song beautifully. It's a great, just really covers the canvas wonderfully. Here we find Ace singing how he needs some love, and he wants it from his girl. Now, love could be a metaphor for something more sexual, or it could be a cry for the real thing. You know, someone to connect with and to be close to. I'm in need of love, and I'm hoping that you can provide it and receive my love as well. Very sentimental, and, and unlike most Kiss songs. It's a nice change of pace, really. And then there's the guitar, drum, solo, jam in the middle of the song that just pulls it all together with uh, exceptional jamming and, and exceptional speed force rock, which then goes right back to that slow down slower version, um, slower music when the next verse kicks in. So this song, it's crafted so expertly with the pacing of slow, slow, fast, slow, slow. It's tremendous. It's just, it's another great addition to the Ace Freely solo album and truly a fine piece of musical craftsmanship um, indeed. Next up is Wiped Out. And this was written by Ace Freely and Anton Fig, and it was sung by Ace Freely. And look, Wiped Out is one fun, chaotic, hell of a good time song. Now, it pays homage to Wipe Out, the Safari's hit, but it, it also stands alone as its own grand gem. 
lyrically, it's the best of the record. The lyrics, they tell a great story. They're smart. There's no forced rhymes. There's no shoehorning. The lyrics flow poetically, and, and Ace shows his mastery of music and lyrics all in one song. The, the drums are incredible. Tip of the cap to Anton Fig, who did the drumming. And the guitars are spectacular. And Ace's voice is in top form. This is almost a party rap song, which just adds to the overall fun factor. A boiled down to the simplest common denominator, this is a song about meeting a girl at a party, catching her eye, hoping that you catch hers, hitting it off, and then going to hook up somewhere. It's essentially another Kiss song about sex, but it's done in a way that every common man can relate to. Uh, there, this isn't the rock star getting the girl backstage because he's very famous. This is every college boy's dream fantasy song. You go to a party, you get drunk, you meet a girl, you hook up. Ace tells that story, and he makes it so much fun that everyone listening to this song is bound to love it. Definitely every male listening to this song is bound to love it, but really anyone listening to this song is bound to love it. And they should. This is a top-notch song. Wiped Out is... it's it's incredible it's best of the best they're all every song on this album is best of the best even the worst is the best of the best but wiped out it's just it's so much fun and and unexpected fun and you know just kind of comes out of left field in in the theme and the lyrics and the way the song was put together just another masterpiece on an album that has nothing but masterpieces and speaking of masterpieces, Fractured Mirror is next, and this was written by Ace Freely. And there are no vocals on this song, so it's an instrumental uh, sung by no one. And Fractured Mirror, a true masterpiece. No vocals, no problem. And there's really no better way to end this solo album than with a signature Ace Freely instrumental that highlights his amazing talents with a guitar in his hand. Fractured Mirror is just, it's flat out numbing, and numbing in a good way. I love the arrangement. I love the added features like the bell. I love the way that this song was put together and how it's able to focus on the guitar as the centerpiece of the musical artwork. In short, there really isn't anything about Fractured Mirror that I don't love. It's so amazing. And I think any KISS fan knows what this song sounds like. And they can conjure it up just by hearing the title. When you hear the title, Fractured Mirror, you can just you can hear the guitar strumming in. You can hear the bell toll. You just close your eyes and, and say Fractured Mirror, and you can hear that song come into place. The bell resonates with us, and then certain, song, certain parts of the song are going to play in, in the fan's head. It's... Fractured Mirror is simply a treasure to behold. Now, Ace would go on to try and uh, recapture this song on um, future solo albums. Well, Freely's Comet is not really solo albums. It was a band, just a band that happened to have his name in the title. Um, you know, with Fractured 2 and Fractured 3, I think it's called. Um, but none of those captured what was done here with Fractured Mirror. It's the original and the best. Uh, you know, the sequels, like like most sequels, not as good. And we'll cover those when we get to those albums. Not to say they're bad, but they don't hold a candle to the original Fractured Mirror. This this truly is just 
mind-boggling at the talent that Ace Freely has, the level of talent that he has, that he can carry a song like this with no vocals and just make it a, a true masterpiece. And one that I, I could watch just this song in concert over and over again and be happy and, and leave the concert saying, wow, that was that was amazing. Very few guitar players can, can just play a guitar and you know not have to have any vocals or drums or any other thing, anything else in the, around the music. And just watching them play guitar and listening to them play guitar is enough for me. Um, Ace really is one of those one of those guys. So Fracture Mirror is a great way to end his solo album and a true testament to what he's able to do. So that concludes the analysis for this episode. Uh, quick update. So um, I know there wasn't uh, there wasn't a uh, today's commentary at the beginning of the episode. Normally I, I put in you know what's happening in the world of Kiss, or I'll, I'll read some emails that I got or some tweets that I got, and um, I noticed I didn't put that into today's episode. Um, but I did have an update, and I just didn't know if it belonged there, but I'll save it for the end of the episode, so I'll give it to you now. So, recent episodes, we've talked about um, KISS trademarking the the end of the road um, for future use, and we, you know, there was speculation, well, what, what was that trademark for? What does it mean? Does it mean the band's coming to an end? Does it mean there's a farewell tour? I try to take the more optimistic approach, saying, no, what it really means is that, uh, you know, the band's got a new album coming out, and this is going to be the title of the album, or, yes, it is a farewell tour, but that includes a new album, and this is the title of the album. Um, so, with all the speculation going around, Paul Stanley recently came out and admitted what that trademarking was all about. And so basically what he said was, you know, the band trademarked it for future use because they've seen other bands do farewell tours, you know, not that they haven't done their own, but they've seen other bands do tours and, you know, they were not able to use a certain phrase because it had been trademarked already. So Kiss didn't want to run into that issue if and when they decide to hang it up. And those are those are Paul's words, if and when, he said. Doesn't mean that we're necessarily calling it a day, and doesn't mean that we're necessarily retiring, but we wanted to have that available for when the time comes. And, you know, as I mentioned on previous episodes, band's not getting any younger. So there is going to be a time when they hang it up. There is going to be a time when we no longer see Kiss, at least not in the incarnation we have it now. Now, Paul went on to say that, yeah, other... You know, the KISS legacy should live on without him in the band. So I don't know if he's tipping his hand saying, like, maybe he's thinking about hanging it up and, and Gene's saying, no, I want to keep going on. Or maybe, you know, maybe they're both thinking about hanging it up and they're going to find a way to get some money if KISS continues to perform with other band members, you know. But if Eric and Tommy and then two other people are KISS... Even I got to tap out at that point and say, look, that's that's not Kiss. If there's no original members in the band, it's no longer the band. That's that's how I feel. And at that point, I probably would tap out. It's not to say like I wouldn't listen to the music and give it a try, but I got a feeling that it just it wouldn't bring the same sense of uh, joy and and passion to me as as Kiss has over the years, and even half a Kiss, you know, you're, you still have that connection that draws you back to the past, you know, from from the beginning when you discovered the band all the way through now. So, and I'm not saying that any of that's going to happen. I'm just 
repeating what I saw online, some news articles, you know, where Paul came out and said that, yeah, that's why we trademarked that phrase um, for use in the future. So fans are worrying that, you know, next year could be the last year. I would say don't. But don't rule it out either. You, with this band, you just you never know, and that's that's part of the beauty of the band. So uh, that's my update on that, and that brings us to the end of this episode. So listen, thanks thanks for listening. Um, if you got a comment you'd like to share, you can email me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. That's psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. Please, please be sure to go to iTunes and leave a review. Every review helps, and if you haven't done so already, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Psycho Circus Podcast. And you can check out my written works, uh, if you like that. You can check that out at rockandrollguru.blogspot.com. That's rockandrollguru.blogspot.com. R-O-C-K-A-N-D-R-O-L-L-G-U-R-U.blogspot.com. And I am currently working on a post um, about KISS. Ironically enough, um, one of the KISS concerts I attended back in 2003, KISS, Aerosmith, and Saliva. So by the time this episode uh, is released, um, that post will probably be up. So you can go to rockandrollguru.blogspot.com to check out my thoughts on seeing KISS in concert with Aerosmith and Saliva at the PNC Bank Arts Center in Holmdel, New Jersey. So thanks again. And be sure to tune in next time when I cover Peter Chris's solo album, Peter Chris. Until then, the carnival has just begun. <laughs>